to see you guys. Hey, we are still in the midst of this Revelation series. How are you guys doing with it? Everybody tracking? Isn't it amazing? Amen. Feedback. You guys liking going through Revelation? Amen. I am too. It's been such a beautiful um, refresher for us. Um, even my discussions with Pastor Rick, we talk about it and we're like, oh my gosh, I've read this passage so many times, but I've missed so much. <laughs> there's so much depth. There's so much going on. And so we've been blessed by it. Hope you guys have too. But hey, we want to take a break from Revelation this week, and um, wanted to shift gears a little bit. And we kind of want to make today a Baptism Sunday. And if you're like, wait, Baptism Sunday? We've heard nothing of this. Here's the thing. We had no plan for this. This is something that totally God has been spurring and God has been moving in different ways. And today is going to be one of those days where we talk and celebrate baptism. And as Kainoa shared, we're going to um, hear about a couple in our church and the way that God has touched their lives and led them into make this decision. So it's going to be amazing. It's going to be beautiful. So, okay, thanks, Wally. Just getting the thing. So I want to share quickly about my baptism. So I was 12 years old. And we saw it. Can we first of all give a round of applause to those amazing youth? Wasn't that an awesome video? It's such, an, it's such a great recap to remember what God has done. And sometimes we go years after baptism and we forget about what, how the Holy Spirit has really hit us and transformed us. And man, those words by like Aaron and Kahi and everybody, like they're just so uh, poignant to our souls, to our spirits in this season. But hey, my baptism, I was 12 years old. I remember my youth pastor coming to me. And being like, uh, Mark, is it your time? And I'm a pastor's kid, right? So in my mind, if, if you didn't know any pastor's kids growing up, the church kind of ran on our schedule, okay? So I had access to every room, and it's like, my dad's a pastor, guys. Chill. Like, I know what I'm doing here, right? Like, if I, I can leave Sunday school whenever time I want, because nobody would get angry at me because my dad's the pastor, right? So these are, we started taking ownership of the church. And so when baptism came to make a spiritual decision like baptism, I remember my, my youth pastor asking me, he's like, Mark, I think it's time. And I'm like, no, it's not my time yet. I make the decisions around here. And he remember him sitting me down, and he's like, Mark, basically gave me an ultimatum, which all I remember was it was an ultimatum, but at the time it made a lot of sense. He's basically like, who are you for? Are you for God or are you not for God? Are you for the world or are you for the things of the Lord and you for the word of God? And I was just like, no, I'm for God. It's like, all right. Well, have you been baptized yet? I'm like, no. He's like, well, maybe it's time to change that. So I was like, well, shoot, maybe I should get baptized. And so I ended up getting baptized. And it was a beautiful day at Kailua Beach. We went down there. And even though I was 12 and I have very little memories of anything that happened in my sixth grade year, I remember this feeling of being submerged under the water, coming back up alive in Christ. And something happened in my spirit that I didn't recognize at the time, but over the years that passed, when I went through high waters, when I went through high tides, when things got heavy in my life, there was always a point where I said, no, I made a commitment. I, I met Jesus in that water, and it was amazing. And that baptism served as a pillar for my relationship with God to keep me through really tough times as life went on, even to this day. And so it's a crazy, there's a mystery of the spiritual thing we do baptism. And over time, it has become sort of a ritual thing. It's just like, oh, I'm a Christian. I get baptized, right? That's what I do. But there is something that happens in our spirit when we undergo baptism. And so we want to not take it lightly. We want to celebrate God is doing something. When he stirs hearts to be baptized, there's a reason, there's a purpose, and there's a timing for it. And so what we want to do today is look at Jesus' baptism, what we can learn from it, and then 
kind of hear a testimony from these to this couple that's getting baptized. And I want to say kind of up front, we're going down to the beach to get to do a baptism today. I want to encourage you right now, start planning to come with us. <laughs> and we'll talk about why it's important. But plan to be down there. Even if you're online, if you live in Kailua, you got no reason by end of church, meet us at Kailua Beach, at Kalama Beach Park. It's going to be awesome. So we want to encourage everyone to come right after service. But let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, Let's open up to Matthew 3. And again, if you're like, wait a minute, are we talking about Revelation? Here's what's crazy. The story of Jesus' baptism came at a time when the world was changing. The Messiah had come, and John the Baptist was out baptizing people, preparing their hearts for the coming Messiah. And Revelation speaks to us at a similar time, that there's a second coming of Christ. And remember the reflections of the churches in Revelation for those first few weeks was always, prepare your heart for the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming soon. And so we have this same season that we're in now where God is pushing us saying, hey, are you for me? Is your heart pure? Is your heart ready to receive the newness that Christ is bringing? So let's open up to, to Matthew 3. If you have it in your, on a, in your Bible, great. Um, or we're going to have it on screen as well. Terrific passage. So Matthew 3 says this, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What's the command here? Repent. There's no more time to be wishy-washy with your sin. It's time to repent. <laughs> John the Baptist is calling people home. Come back. Turn from those ways. Get your heart ready for the Messiah. The kingdom of heaven has come near. This, was, this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John the Baptist is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah that says there's going to be a voice coming from the wilderness saying, we need to get ready, we need to prepare, the Lord is coming. And I love the way the, the, the Gospel of John puts it. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then it says, it keeps calling Jesus the Word, the Word, the Word. And then he says, and then there was a voice in the wilderness. Jesus is the Word, but John is the voice. What does that mean? The voice, the prophetic voice is one that takes who Jesus is and puts it into reality through our vocal cords. Does that make sense? We all have this gift to speak prophetically of the things of God, to bring the Word of God alive into our reality. He is the Word. He is the content. We are merely the messengers. We are the vocal cords to who the Word is. Amen? So John the Baptist is the voice calling from the wilderness. It says this, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Why does the Bible mention this? I think it's making it very clear. This dude lived in the wilderness. Like, this is how important it was to people reading this. This guy isn't just a guy who ran to the bushes one day and said, oh, I'm prophesying from over here. This dude lived like one real back road Waimanalo kind life. You know what I mean? Like, worse than that. Like, the kind. He ate locusts. His belt was made of, like, leather, and he was wearing camel hair. Like, the dude was living in nature. So John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. 
This is an amazing verse. We skip over this all the time. People were hungry for cleansing. Did you catch that? People were coming from all over in the city, traveling out to the wilderness to find this guy in the bushes so that they could be baptized by him. This is something that I want to ask ourselves here this morning. Is there this same hunger to be cleansed before God, to immerse ourselves, to die to the things of old so that we can be made new? John the Baptist was preaching this. He was saying the Messiah is here. The kingdom of God is near. Come, repent, be baptized. And people were following him. And if you know, if you've read scripture, John the Baptist had his own following because he had such a strong prophetic voice and he knew who the Messiah was. And so, there was this hunger for cleansing. There was a spiritual atmosphere where people were getting ready for the coming Messiah. And this is what's crazy. When you read Revelation, this is almost the same kind of exhortation that God is giving the churches of Revelation. He's trying to get them back to a hunger to rely on him, a hunger to be purified by Christ, a hunger to walk in the ways that he's called you to walk, to be in alignment with the will of God. This, was the, this is what he was talking to when he was talking to Laodicea and Smyrna and Ephesus and all these churches. So when Jesus was coming, there's a spiritual atmosphere that created soil, healthy soil for the seed of the gospel to be planted. It's a beautiful thing. And then also recognizing that the importance of Jesus filling, fulfilling prophecy, that this isn't just this, the whole idea of Jesus getting baptized wasn't just a random thing that happened, but this was prophesied about thousands of years before. So moving on, Matthew 3, verse 7 says this, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees were coming to where he was baptized, and this is John speaking, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He's saying, prove yourself that you're actually repenting from your sins and not just putting on a mask like, oh, everything's fine. This is what he's asking. He's like, if you actually believe in what you're being baptized for, you better prove to yourself that you're repentant in your spirit. And do not think you can say to yourselves, oh, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, and he's probably pointing to rocks on the ground, God can raise up children for Abraham. He says, your lineage with Abraham actually means nothing right now. That, that doesn't carry you through. And so here's the heart condition I think we need to ask ourselves too and check ourselves is this. For many of us who have not, if, especially if you have not been baptized, um, I hear this a lot as a pastor. I hear like, oh, yeah, I haven't been baptized, but I grew up in church. It's kind of fine. I know, I know who Jesus is. I pray sometimes. It's fine, right? It's kind of the same attitude as coming from the Pharisees. He's like, no, no, no. We don't really need to be baptized. We're, we're sons of Abraham. We're fine. We grew up. We have, we have the lineage in, in place. We're fine. Everything's good. And there, there has to be, when we talk about repentance, there has to be a shift in our spirit to realize that we need Jesus at a very deep level. And if we feel like we're doing fine without him, we don't need to be baptized, then we're kind of missing who Christ really is and what he has planned for our lives. And so, we have Abraham as our father. God is saying these stones could be Abraham's kids for all that matters. What, we, what matters now is that the Messiah is here. Sorry, John is saying that. And so verse 10, he says this, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What is he saying? He's saying you can look like a big, healthy, fruitful tree, but if you're not producing fruit, you're just going to get cut down. 
So it's time to own up. Are you a healthy tree or not? And if you're not, you need to repent so that you can bear fruit. So this is the invitation. The invitation is check your tree. (laughs) Everyone say, check your tree. Check your tree. Are you a fruitful tree? Are the things of God coming out of your life? Or are you fine? I get branches. I get leaves. I'm fine. Right? No. Is there fruit of the things of God being produced in your life? This is the question we have to ask ourselves. When we read about it, it's easy to be like, Pharisees. But for, my, for many of us, we have to read ourselves into that and be like, wait, is that me? <laughs> wait a minute. Would Jesus say that same thing to me if I were here today? We've got to be sort of aware of these things. We have to bear fruit. So he says this, verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning the chaff with an unquenchable fire. So he's using still these agricultural analogies. He's saying this. Yeah, there's Pharisees and Sadducees around him with people who are genuinely getting baptized. And he's saying, look, the one who's coming to baptize all of us is able to separate the weeds from the good fruit, the wheat. And it looks, everybody looks, we all show up at the river the same. We're all there, ready to get baptized. But there's a heart condition that separates those Pharisees from the other ones. And so we got to make sure, too, in our faith walk, are we carrying a pharisaical spirit where, eh, I'm fine. I grew up in church. I've already been saved. I've already been baptized when I was an infant, right? We get hear this a lot. Why would I need to be baptized again? Where is this? What's the point? So we have to make sure that for all of us, we're asking the right question, is my life bearing fruit? This is what leads up to baptism. My life needs to bear fruit. So now, moving on, uh, if you turn over to, uh, sorry, to verse 13, John carries on. It says this, someone shows up on the scene. It says, Jesus then came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And it says, then John consented. When the Messiah says something, you listen. (laughs) He knew who the Messiah was. As soon as Jesus walked on the scene, there was no introduction. And remember, these two had met before. They met when they were in their mother's wombs. And so he hopped, John the Baptist hopped in Elizabeth's womb when Mary and Elizabeth were talking story. So does John the Baptist know who Jesus is? Absolutely. And as soon as he walks under the scene, he says, I'm not worthy to baptize you. Are you kidding me? And he's saying, to fulfill prophecy, to fulfill the law and the prophets, to make everything right, this has to happen. And he's like, okay, shoots, we go. Then they will get baptized. So, Verse 16 says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up to, out of the water. At that moment, check this out, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Pleased. 
This is one of the rare times in the Bible where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all in one place at the same time. And we see them interacting as one beautiful family. So this is what makes this passage miraculous. It wasn't necessarily just that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus when he was being baptized. It wasn't necessarily that God opened the heavens and spoke down. It was that all these things happened at the same time. That God's heart and God's will came into alignment with the life of Christ. And he said, this is follow him. I'm pleased with him. He's the way. He is, this is of me. God is taking ownership of who Christ is. And it ends there. And so what we have here is this beautiful story that the Bible later leads us and says, hey, if you're a disciple of Christ, go therefore and baptize others. Be baptized and baptize others. And so the question remains, why do we get baptized? What's the point? I understand why Jesus did it to fulfill prophecy and do all these great things, but what is in it here for me? Why do I even need to get baptized? And let me say off the bat, I think a lot of times, many of us who grew up in church, it just seemed like a thing you're supposed to do. And I want to say this, if that's been your motivation for being baptized, was like, oh, it was just the right thing to do. Let me tell you, you can always be baptized again. There's no rules to that. And I want to kind of give some thoughts on on what happens supernaturally, what happens spiritually when we are baptized, and where our heart should be, because this passage gives us a lot on those things. And so I want to just put the invitation up front. So as we talk about baptism, if you feel like this might be your season to be baptized, you've never done that before, you've never made that decision, you feel like you're like a Pharisee, you're feeling like, eh, I'm fine, you know, I got the lineage behind me, I, I grew up in church, I know who Jesus is, we don't have to get baptized, right? I, I don't have to be baptized to be saved, right? We kind of go through these thoughts. If you feel like there's a new season ahead of you in your faith, this might be time to be baptized. And so hold on to that because we want to invite everyone to participate if you have not yet done that in your faith journey. But number one is this. Why do we get baptized? Real simple. To give allegiance to God. We give allegiance to God. And that's like, what do you mean allegiance? Here's, what's the, here's the reality that you and I live in, is every single day there are bids for your attention. From TV, from social media, from people in your life, coworkers, there are people who are bidding for your allegiance, asking you, can you commit to these things? If all of us as Christ followers don't first commit to Christ above all things, we're going to commit, end up committing, or giving our allegiance away to something else. This is the nature of humans. So whether it's Sports, whether it's um, sort of party lifestyle, whether it's our own things of our own flesh, we often give allegiance to the things that naturally, te- the tendency is naturally to please myself. And so the reason we get baptized, number one, is to say Christ alone is who I need. Amen? This is why we're, ba- this is what we're delivering as a message, public message when we get baptized. It's saying, I'm on team Jesus. There's nothing else for me. And so, like we read about the, in the, uh, the church, now I have to remember what church it was. Uh, I think it was the church of Thyatira. I'm going to say it, but put an asterisk because I could be wrong. Where he talks about the spirit of Balaam. He says, you have a spirit of Balaam in your church where you want to do what God wants you to do, but you also want to please yourself at the same time. You're serving two masters. This is what we're trying to address. When we're baptizing, we're saying, there is no other master. I'm just with Jesus. He's it. That's all I need. So this allegiance to Christ is important it's an important part of your faith. This allegiance is part of your salvation. 
Literally the word in John 3.16 where it says he, uh, sorry, that God so loved the world, he gave his son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We often think the word believe means, oh, I just got to think that Jesus is real and I'm saved. When you look at the Greek word for that belief, it's something you're so, you're, you're so um, convinced by that you're compelled into action. That's what the Greek word pistuo means. It's allegiance. I am so allegiant to my God. That's the faith that saves me, not just because I think it's true. Does that make sense? We have to put our faith into action. Our faith has to motivate us to bear fruit for the things of God. So to give allegiance to God is why we get baptized. And for many of us, we feel like it's the right part of our journey. There's so much going on in life and in our relationships and all these things. But at the end of the day, it's surrender. It's saying, okay, God, your will be done in my life, not my own. This is why we do it. So we give allegiance to God. We give ownership to God of our lives and say, God, through you, not through me, please have your way in my life. Amen? And here's what's crazy. We don't talk about this a lot. Know what Jesus happened right after Jesus got baptized? He went straight to the desert. So he got baptized. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He's lit up with a new power. His miracles are just about to begin. His ministry is just about to begin. The Father comes down and says, that's my boy. Listen to him. He's amazing. And guess what happens? Jesus goes into the desert by himself gets tempted, gets tested. Because here's what happens. When you give allegiance to God, when you say your will be done, but not mine, the enemy is eager to say, let me test that. You sure you're allegiant? You sure God is your only master? I heard a pastor say this one time, and this is convicting to me. I hope it's to you guys as well. He said that if you feel like your faith is relatively untested, you need to check your allegiance right? If you're in war, think of like World War II if you're a history buff. If you say, I'm an ally with a certain country, you now become a target from the enemy. Does that make sense? Because you're now associated with who I'm against. The same thing happens in spiritual warfare. When I say I am with Christ, the enemy says, ooh, how much? How, much, how deep are you connected to Christ? Let me test that. This is the story of Job. Job, remember the, that devil went to God and says, oh, you see, Job, the only reason he loves you is because you give him all this stuff. Let me take it away and see if it's, if it's a true allegiance. Let me see if he actually loves you. And this happens over and over. We've seen it in our church. When people get baptized, they go into really rough seasons after. And that's not a fear thing. It's not like, oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into? It's one of those things that, hey, when you swear allegiance to Christ, there's consequences in the spiritual realm. Really. And then the enemy's going to find his way to poke you and be like, do you really believe in that? If you live, if you look, check your heart and you check your faith walk and you're like, wow, I'm relatively unchallenged in life. Are you actually a threat <laughs> to, the, to the world because you live in the kingdom of God because you're allegiant to him, right? This is a crazy thing to think about. But remember, Jesus went right from receiving power of the Holy Spirit through his baptism right to the desert. And when he came out of the desert, to me, what the, the value of that story is, is he comes out calls his disciples, and he's just like, look, I can defeat all these temptations. I can turn down every single thing the enemy can throw at me. So can you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do that too. And so Jesus overcoming the enemy in the desert is such like a battle cry for us to continue to fight, to, to continue to say no to tempta temptations that aren't of God. Amen? So, why do we get baptized? He's looking for our allegiance. He's looking for not just like, oh yeah, I'll serve you when it's convenient. 
I'll come to church when I like, right? I, I, I'll, I'll be a Christian when it works for me, but when it doesn't work for me, I'll kind of check out. What does real allegiance look like for you and for me? What does that look like? How committed am I to the things of God manifesting here on earth? Number two, why do we get baptized? Super important. To repent and be cleansed from our old ways. This is the invitation. You come to be baptized, you come and you repent. And you say, man, God, I don't like the way my life was before. I was falling apart. I needed you. I had a giant puka in my heart because I was looking for you and I was filling it with other things. I'm tired of doing that. I'm tired of my habits. I'm tired of the way I treat people. I'm tired of the thoughts that come in my head. I'm sick of it. And so this, this desire to be cleansed is kind of the birthplace of our spirit of when we walk into baptism. God, I need change. I need you. And what's, um, man, what's been really cool is when we saw those kids get baptized, that was after our first Molokai trip. And one of the cool things was some of the kids in the youth group, when we came back, the fruit of being in the Father's presence on that trip, without us telling them or doing anything, some of the fruit was they came back and they started repenting of things to their parents, to their friends, saying sorry for stuff that they did wrong. And I got calls from parents as a youth pastor, and they're like, did you guys talk to the kids about this? I'm like, no. Because <laughs> like, they came home and they just apologized to me for stuff. And I said, we didn't formally have a conversation about that, but the Holy Spirit's going to prompt your heart into repentance because I feel like this is true. We know where life is. When we get a glimpse, when we get a taste of the things of God, we see life in it, we go like, oh, that's what I want. I want to be there. And we have to turn away from the things that are keeping us from that. And so one thing to remember too with baptism when John was baptizing, he didn't invent the process. This was a purification process that Jews had been doing. It called immersion. So before you went and put your temple sacrifices, uh, burnt them in the temple, they would actually immerse you in the water to purify you so that you could be in the presence of God. And hear me out, because in the same way that Jesus took Passover and he reconnected everything about Passover to point at him, he's doing the same thing with immersion. He's saying baptism isn't about you getting pure enough temporarily so that you can get it, go into the temple and burn your sacrifices. He's saying, baptism, I'm taking it over. It's about dying to yourself, coming a new life in Christ, and you do it one time because Jesus paid the price one time and it's done. Amen? So this isn't something you have to do over and over. We don't have to baptize you guys before you come into church every single day because the ritual is done. God has cleansed us once and for all through the cross. And in that cleansing, we have continual forgiveness. We have continual freedom in those things. And so this is something that's so rich that Jesus would take something like immersion and make it a part of who he wants us to be as his followers. So number three in your notes is this. Why do we get baptized? To be raised in new life with Christ. This is the symbolism that when you go under the water, you die to yourself. You don't just kind of be like, oh yeah, when I go under the water, these things aren't important anymore. No, no, you're dead to them. It's, it's literally death. Like, I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm tired of that, that, that flesh part of me. That's not the Holy Spirit. I'm tired of that. I'm dying to it. I'm laying it at the foot of the cross. I love somebody in that testimonies in that video said, um, I feel like he's taken all my burdens when I came out of that water, right? Like the great prophet Carrie Underwood says, there must be something in that water. Something happens in that water. When you go down, your sins are taken from you and you come up a new life in Christ. And I don't know what it is. There's something supernatural about it. 
But it's not the water itself. It's the living water who dwells inside of your spirit, who removes those things from you. So to be raised anew in Christ, Jesus says this, behold, I'm coming to do something new. Make sure your heart is ready. It's elastic enough to bring the new wine that I'm going to bring that's going to stretch you. It's going to grow you. If you're stuck in your old past, it's not going to be able to contain the newness that Christ has for your life. So this, this idea of getting baptized with Christ is saying, I'm going to go down and come up with a new flexible spirit to all the newness that Jesus wants to bring in my life. No matter where he may call me, no matter what he may have for me, I'm ready for it. Because in my spirit, I'm ready for the newness of Christ and I'm excited for it. This is what it's all about. What does a new life mean? It means you have new power. The power of Christ. I love how John says it. He says, I'm baptizing you with water, but behold, someone's coming who's more powerful than I am. That there's a power of the Holy Spirit that, that's, that's deeper than the cleansing that I can give you with water. It, it's crazy. You can walk in power. You can walk in confidence. You can walk in freedom. Things where you feel like you are stuck in the past, you can come and be cleansed before God. You can walk in continual forgiveness. Shame and guilt are gone. You're walking in a new identity of who Christ has called you to be. And this is amazing. So if you feel like you need newness, it's another reason we get baptized. I, Pastor Mark, I'm stuck. I believe in Christ, but I don't feel like there's anything new for me. I've, this is an old religion. I feel like it's old. We come to church and do the same old thing or whatever it is. If there's newness in your heart, you need a new spirit in you. You want to you actually try to contain the newness that Christ has for you? We go into baptism and we say, God, take away all this oldness. Bring something new. So we are raised to new life with Christ. When we come up, we believe that, that you are a completely different person when you come out of the water. Not always right away, <laughs> but you will be. And the number four is this. Why do we get baptized? Is to be born again into the family of God. Um, this is something that I, I was real. I have a friend who's a Tongan pastor at a Methodist church, and they do infant baptism. And typically, we're like, "Hey, why do you do infant baptism? You should allow them to make the choice to be baptized when they're older, right?" It shouldn't be something you force upon young kids. It's got to be actually meaningful in your heart and your spirit and this and that. And he says, oh, no, Pastor Mark, you, you miss what we, what we actually care about. And I said, what's that? He says, when we baptize infants at our church, we know that they're not saved through that. What we know that is that they always have a family in our church. When you're baptized in our church, we don't, keep, we don't take our eyes off of you, so to speak. You're always with us. You're always in our family. You're in our prayers. You're a part of a family of God that you are you'll never be able to leave because we have a spiritual kuleano to you. And I was like, oh, shoot, you guys do that? <laughs> like, I like do that. But that's, that's what we do. And that's when we do baby dedications. It's the same sentiment. Is we have to recognize that when you're born again, you're not just born again to the same life. You're born again to a new life with a new family. And this is our family. I love you guys, every single one of you, because you are family. And so we're born again to the family of God. So one of these things that, you know, when, you, when we hear like, oh, so-and-so is getting baptized, we often go back, oh, good for them. This is what is different. It's not good for them. It's actually good for us. You know what I mean? It's good for the family when we get a new addition to the family. Amen? Isn't that amazing? So it's good. It's, and it's, again, it's not saying that their salvation depends on their baptism or whatever. It's just saying that when we baptize you as one church, you're one with our church. You're here forever. You leave a mark. We, we don't forget you. We don't keep you know, and to be honest, 
bringing that down to reality, our church has struggled with that. There's been people who've been baptized and we're just like, I don't know where they are now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's real life. But the point is, is if we can continue to ask the Holy Spirit for that, be like, Lord, make us family. That's one prayer we kind of miss sometimes. Lord, make us family in this. Like, make sure that if so-and-so is getting baptized in our church, that I actually care about it. I don't be like, oh, good for your relationship with God, but be like, hey, I'm part of that too. So when someone gets baptized, it's not just their baptism, it's our baptism. Amen? All of us are included in that. And so without further ado, just kind of give you some, just some thoughts in this beautiful passage about where Jesus gets baptized and the Holy Spirit does something new in his life. I want to actually um, bring the couple up, Zach and Michelle, who chose to get baptized today. And I want you to hear their story because it's pretty powerful how God has gotten them involved in our church and has led them to this point. Um, and so would you welcome with me as we raise our hands. We're going to bring Michelle and Zach up here with us. They're going to join us on the hot seat. So here, I want to welcome Michelle and Zach. Can you guys give one more round of applause for being up here? Thank you, guys. Um, maybe I'll start with you, Michelle. Like, how has, um, and I've been in conversation with the last week or so, but, like, tell us just, like, where you guys are at. Like, what drew you to be here? Um, so I, I just came out to Hawaii in November, and he was stationed here in 2018, I think. Yeah, 2018. Um, so I was actually uh, saved in 2018, um, kind of right around the time he was, he was sent out here. And it was funny you were talking about, like the Pharisees and all that, because um, that was kind of me for a very long time. I was, I was promising I wouldn't be too long-winded, but... Uh, <laughs> and he, he talks in circles all the time, so this is, this is going to go great. Um, so... I was, I was living in Las Vegas at the time, and I know the kids are here today, so I will spare you the details, but um, I was living a very decadent lifestyle, you know, you can imagine, uh, the drinking, the partying, all that, and um, I was always kind of looking for something to fill this void I had in my heart. I was just never whole, you know, and uh, one night I was um, at home, I had kind of started looking into Christianity. I was very into New Age and New Thought Movement, occult things. Um, and I had the guy who originally got me into New Age had been saved. And he had been saved like three years earlier. And, uh, and he messaged me in the middle of the night and he was like, I'm so sorry I misled you. Like, Jesus is the way. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> Um, and then I, I kind of always stuck in the back of my head because what he, and he still, what he said to me was, he's like, if you look at every religion in the world, they all deny, deny the deity of Christ, right? That Christ is God. And that was kind of like his kind of switch when he's like, 
that, you know, what, what would Satan do, right? He's trying to pull you in the wrong direction. So, um, and it kind of always stuck with me. And then uh, I started, I talked to this pastor once and I kind of was like, uh, I, was, I just loved my sin so much. Like I, I didn't want to let it go. Um, and then one night I was at home having a few drinks and this song came on, you know, one that's like come to the altar, uh, the father's arms are open wide. And when it came on, I, I just started bawling. Like I'd never heard it before, but I just started crying. And it was like I could see my sin for the first time. Like I felt naked. Like it was the worst feeling in the world. I just felt like everything I had ever done, like I saw it for what it was. Mm. Um, it was just awful. And I think I was like kind of saved in that moment, even though I didn't realize it. And then, because uh, oh, it was horrible. And then after that, I didn't want to get baptized uh, because I didn't want to let go of my lifestyle. I didn't really want to, I didn't want to let go because New Age had been such a, um, you know, thought movement and all that, new thought movement. It had been such a big part of my life and it had been like my crutch and how I, you know, went through life. So it was like, I, I didn't understand Christianity. I, I was like, what do you mean? I'm just going to pray and see what happens? Like, what? It was just like, it was very hard for me to let go of that. So um, I didn't want to get baptized. And then I had talked to pastor about it a little bit. And then that night after I spoke to him, because I was like, well, you know, I believe, but I don't know if I'm that into it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I was kind of trying to keep, you know, live in both worlds. Um, and after I was saved, I went through some like really intense, like you're saying, like spiritual warfare. I didn't understand what it was, but, um, that same day that I had spoken to the pastor that Sunday, uh, at night I was, I went to bed and I felt like, like I wasn't alone. It was this weird feeling. I was kind of like, it was off. So I went to sleep, um, and I woke up at, I think it was like 4.30 and I'm like laying on my back and I can't move, I'm completely paralyzed, and I can just move my head. And there's something sitting next to me, like under my cover. So I see like a figure under the sheet, like on the bed right next to me, like looking at me, I could feel it looking at me. And I couldn't move, and I'm just like trying to get away from it. And I was kind of like, I closed my eyes, I'm like, oh, it's probably nothing. And I woke up and it was still there. It kept like jerking me awake. And I think that went on for about like an hour, um, and then I was like, all right, like, just, just attack me. Like, I, I remember just thinking, like, all right, let's just get this over with because you're not looking leaving, you know? And the second I had that thought, I just felt this thing, like, jump me. It was like this, it felt like a creature just hopped on my chest and, like, pushed me into the mattress. And I was looking at it this way, and I felt a hand on my head that, like, physically turned my head that way. And, um, and I still couldn't speak, and I just remember thinking, I was just like, Jesus, I just kept saying his name, and I felt something come up behind this thing and, like, pull it off me, and it was like a, kind of like a jerk, you know, and, um, and then it just went away, and that's when I realized that I had to make a choice, like, I, I couldn't, you know, live in both worlds, um, so I decided that night, like, okay, I'm getting baptized, I threw out all my new age stuff, like, I made that full <laughs> commitment, because I was like, oh, uh. You know, and then someone had explained to me um, kind of what you said, too. It's like, uh, you know, that, well, those spirits were probably there the whole time because everything you were involved in, but they never attacked you. Yeah. 
And when I walked away from that, it, it gave me such a contrast to God and to, you know, the enemy because God, no matter what I had done, I realized like he was just there and he forgave me. And with Satan, it was like when I walked away, he couldn't just let me go. Like right after I was saved, I remember I had thoughts of like jumping off the balcony. Like it was just torture for months. Wow. Um, and then every time something stopped me, you know, and, and then this happened and wow. I was like, okay, that's it. Like I have to make a choice. This, I can't live in two worlds anymore. So that was in 2018, the first time I got baptized. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Wow, thank you for sharing. That's a powerful story. And that is, um, and you're not alone in that. Like that is, uh, I mean, literally what we preach in came to life there. It's like when you swear allegiance, you become a target. And when these spirits, the things of this world are trying to capture your allegiance away from Christ, it's so cool to see you, man, especially turn from the new age and there's so much temptation and pressure there. Um, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Zach, let me, let me ask you, what, how have you sort of got to where you are at today? Well, one thing I'm very good at is coming up with elaborate speeches and then immediately forgetting uh, <laughs> as soon as uh, it's time to talk. So, oh. But I don't have anything um, as deep as that. But obviously, like she said, I got stationed out here um, October 2018, and she was going to church at that time. So every time I would go to Vegas to visit her, like I would go to church, and I always had this feeling of like being in the church and just like in the back of my head, like I don't belong here. Um, yeah. And I was the same situation, like kind of, I don't want to give up that life because like that stuff's fun, you know. I enjoy doing this, I enjoy doing that, and. And I would always just like play the part, but not actually. I was acting. Uh, I was I was going to church and doing things on the outside, but inside, like this isn't who I am, you know. Yeah. Um. So it caused a lot of problems between us, and I had a situation in uh, January. I'm actually not supposed to be here right now, but uh, I went to California. Some things happened. I was supposed to still be there. I was supposed to be coming back this week, actually. Uh, and I'm leaving again on Thursday to go back to try again. But the, we come back, and I had to do the 10-day the quarantine and all that good stuff because of COVID. And that Sunday, uh, she had come out here the week before. It's like, I found this, this new church. I want you to come with me. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll go. I'll play your game and see how it goes. And... <laughs> I had the same exact feeling. I was sitting right over there and just looking around during, during the, the singing in the beginning, I had this, this overwhelming, like, I don't belong here. What am I doing? And I didn't tell her this, but I was actually on the verge of walking out and just sitting in the car for the rest of the time uh, until, until she was done. And Pastor Mark actually, yeah. I didn't, uh, for some reason, I don't know what it was. Uh, I decided that I wasn't going to leave. And Pastor Mark got up, and he just shared this message. I feel like God has strongly put it on my heart to share this with everyone. Uh, there's somebody in here that, you know, you're having these doubts. Like, uh, I don't belong. I, I can't. I'm not like these other Christians. This isn't who I am. I don't belong here. And basically just put all that to rest. It's like that. That was me. I was that person 
uh, in the room that needed to hear that. That's good, man. And that's, uh, that's, that's what ultimately led to my decision now still. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm starting to talk in circles here, so. That's, that's awesome, that bro. Was, Amen. moment for me. Yeah. And I had a good chat with Zach afterwards. And what was so cool was Zach's, uh, like the, that was such a powerful thing. Cause I remember that prayer too. And I got up there and I, when I feel like God saying something, I'm like, to me, I was like, why do you want me to say that? God, everybody knows that already. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're all welcome here at church, but it was pointed. It was God trying to speak. And so I think when Zach had that realization, like God is speaking to me here, God is actually calling me out. Um, I think it's kind of developed. And as I would talk to you guys, it's developed this sort of, uh, this re bringing back almost like, like walking back into the family of God, praying together um, you know, uh, reading the Bible and doing these things, and, and God is totally pulling you back into faith. And, and I believe that, like Aaron said, is He's been chasing you, and it, it's like He finally caught you. You know what I mean? And I love that. I think that's such a powerful story, Zach. That you were, thank God that you didn't walk out. <laughs> and we think I'm just so grateful to God that you guys are both sitting here right now because you're right. There's so many situations that could have made this different, um, but God is good and His timing is perfect. And so you guys are here. Um, that's beautiful. Can we give them another round of applause? So. Let me ask you guys this right before we go. Baptism, maybe Zach finished this part. Is like, what has drawn you to this specifically? Someone who got you feel like God's drawn you back into His clutches, but what made you feel the led to get baptized today? So, it was something that like we talked about. It was something that I've been thinking about since uh, since that first week here, um, and then I think, like we talked about today during the message, it was just like. I need to do something other than just like, okay, I, I take a few minutes out of my day, I read the Bible, I say a prayer, but I need, I need to do it. So I needed to do something more to, to like pledge that allegiance to God and, and show like, okay, I'm not actually just going to talk about it, like I'm going to be about it now and, and just symbolize that. So that was what led to that decision for me. Amen. Amen. So good. And um, I'll just echo one more time for you, Michelle. Like, this is your second time being baptized. What's made you want to do it again? Um, for me now, I think it's because, so we got married in December of 2019. Um, so we were, he wasn't a Christian at the time, obviously. And I remember I felt like God was, like, telling me to marry him. And I was very confused about it at the time, kind of, because I was like, well, you know, he's not a believer and blah, blah, blah. But, um, but I did it, obviously. And um, came out here and, um, I mean, TRICARE, right? So, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> no, so, so for me, it's like that commitment we can now make together as a couple because I was like a Christian and then I was a wife and now I can kind of merge the two. So, Amen. yeah, that's why I want to do it again. Christ has been coming the center of your guys' marriage. That's, that's, yeah. what's, that's what's happening. That's beautiful. Wow, that's amazing. So here's what we're going to do, and we want to extend this invitation. If you feel like we're all going down to the beach anyway, and if you have other plans, cancel them, okay? Because there's nothing, there is nothing worth, worth more than being in the presence of God as a family of God, receiving people who are, who are being baptized into the family of God. Amen? So we're gonna, what we're going to do is I want to give you a quick directions, and we're going to pray for them, and worship team is going to come and lead us in one more song. Um, but we're going to meet over here right after church, and we're going to all walk down to Kalama Beach Park. You guys know the drill. It's been a couple years because of COVID, so we haven't been there. <laughs> we haven't done this process, but it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing, and it would be awesome if we as One Church Ohana can receive Zach and Michelle today into our family and be like, hey, we're with you guys. 
we're for you guys. Um, and so before that, let's pray for them. And um, let's just bow our heads. If you want to stretch an arm forward, we're kind of um, just pray over them before we go and baptize them here this morning. God, we just thank you so much for um, this amazing couple, God. Jesus, we thank you for this testimony of your love, a testimony that has fought through battles, a testimony that has brought them together from unprecedented circumstances. God, the way that you've brought them, these two together from different um, backgrounds, different careers, and on this island, Lord, um, you're doing something new with them. And Jesus, we thank you for that newness. We thank you, and we pray expectantly, God, that you are going to do something amazing in their relationship, in their faith journeys, that you're calling them to something bigger than themselves. And Jesus, we just ask um, for us as One Church Ohana here this morning that we would receive them into this family of God. God, no matter how long they're on island, maybe those, the military will take them on eventually, but we know that you have them here for a reason, that you're Ohana when you're here with us. And God, I pray that you would do a new work when they go under that water, that they would die to the things of the old. God, things that might still be lingering in their spirits and being like, ooh, I kind of want a little bit more of that. God, that they would be death to that. Father, that there'd be a new life, new longings, new desires, new passions in their spirit. God, a new desire to do the right thing. And Jesus, we just ask that you would come in and develop a relationship with them that's personal and endearing and loving. God, that you would show your care and your affection to them. You would give them confidence when spiritual warfare gets bad and things turn sideways and they don't know what's going on. We pray that you would be the cornerstone of their foundation, that they would have you to rely on. And God, that we would be a church ohana ready to help, assist, and pray for them as they go through this journey. And so Jesus, we just pray as we enter into this baptism, we thank you, Lord, that we have been purified by the cross, that through you we have forgiveness, we have freedom, we have hope for the future. And we thank you, God, that we can live a new way, a new life, the way of Christ through this, this process, through this journey that we call faith. And so God, as we pray for this baptism, God, that this would be a marker in both of their lives, Jesus, a signpost to say Christ is here. This is the day where you claim them back as a family, as a couple, and each one of them individually. Jesus, would you put your mark on them and say, they are my children with whom I am well pleased. God, we thank you for Zach and Michelle, their openness, transparency. We pray, God, that you would be with them today. We thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful process of baptism we get to go to through together. We love you and pray this is one church ohana. And all God's people here this morning said, amen. Amen. So let's stand up. We're going to sing one worship song.